the Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're joined today by John Acuff. John is the New York Times best-selling author of five books, including his most recent, Do-Over, Rescue Monday, Reinvent Your Work, and Never Get Stuck. For 18 years, he's helped some of the biggest brands in the world tell their story, including the Home Depot, Bose, Staples, and the Dave Ramsey team. He's spoken to hundreds of thousands of people from corporations to churches and is regularly featured on national media such as CNN, Fox News, Good Day LA, and several others. In addition, John writes blogs that have been read by 4 million people, and in 2010, he used his influence with his tribe to build two kindergartens in Vietnam. John lives with his wife, Jenny, and two daughters in Franklin, Tennessee. Now, let's welcome John to the call as we join our host, Tim Harris. So, Mr. Acuff, thank you very much for being my co-host for today's Real Estate Coaching Radio. I really appreciate the opportunity of having you on the radio show. Um, and when you first showed up on our radar, I had been reading your blog and um, some of your books and things of that nature. And Gina, as you know, is, is a big fan of yours. She's one of our producers for the radio show. And I started to research a lot of the things you were saying. I was so thrilled, pleased to see a lot of the comments that you're making. Even you know, you said them in a different way, but we're completely and totally drinking from the same punch bowl as far as clearing the air about a lot of the myths and the disbeliefs, and I call them lies, that are being told to folks that are wanting to start businesses and in our wheelhouse agents in particular about what it takes to be successful. And I'm really excited about um, the opportunity to expose all of our listeners uh, to the way you think with regards to some of the, the topics that you've written about so extensively. So for that reason and hopefully many more, thank you for being my co-host today and welcome to the radio show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. So I'm looking at a blog post you wrote, <laughs> and uh, this is a blog post that Gina shared with me. I'm going to read the title to the uh, to our listeners, and it's called "A Stupid Lie I Believed When I Quit My Last Job." This is John Acuff's uh, title of his blog post. But it sounds like one of ours. I have to say, "A Stupid Lie I Believed When I Quit My Last Job," and why you shouldn't believe it. And here's the opening, the opening salvo, if you will: Do what you love, and you'll never have to work a day in your life. So, John, that is something that's told to. Uh, small business owners, I hear it all the time. Uh, I read it in motivational posters when I go to the bookstore, which is hardly ever. But when I go to Amazon, I look at all these feel-goody topic on business. I mean, that's, it is a lie, isn't it? Why do you think that's a lie? Well, it's a lie because work is hard. And, and any job – here's the thing. People believe in a perfect job. I heard a, a business expert say, if you don't love – you know, 90% of what it takes to be in your industry, you're in the wrong industry. And I thought that means four hours a week is all I have to do when it's things I don't like. Like most people have a longer commute than that. Like, Mm -hmm. I I just think it's so dangerous because what it does is it tells real estate agents, for instance, somebody will say, if you apply that, you go, Oh, you love houses and you're good with people. You're chatty. You should be a real estate agent. You'll kill. And then you get into it and you realize, Wow, there's a it's really hard. You have to wear a lot of hats. You have to counsel people. You have to get rejected constantly. Like that doesn't feel like passion. Nobody goes, 
Yay, it's a deal <laughs> fell through. I love my dream job. I just think it's so dangerous. Well, it is. You throw in the other word that we hear a lot. Some people will say, you know, find the thing that you're passionate about and the success will follow and the money will follow and the, all the rest of it will follow. That is such a lie. Well, I, help me understand, just from your perspective, why is it that people – I know why people want to believe it. I get that. But why is it that so many people are saying that type of thing? Do they actually believe it's true? Um, I don't know if they do. I, I just think that there's a lot of snake oil salesmen in, in our internet world right now. Um, a lot of mm-hmm. instant experts that if you were honest and said, well, what's your background? And they, you know, I guarantee there are people that are listening to this show right now that have seen how to be a real estate expert, special online course. And you go, but you're like 22. Like, what have you done that I should pay you $500 for a video course about re-? like you haven't sold any real estate. So I think, I don't know if those people believe it or not, but I think they believe that if they tell you things you want to hear, you'll pay them money. So I would, I would is, say I would qu- question the motive. Well, it's their business model, right? I mean, guys, listen to what John just said. It was, it was brilliant. He just said, in essence, their business is to sell you guys the information that they're schlepping, their snake oil. It's not necessarily the same as running a real business. In other words, their business is to sell your the information to you that you want to hear, and in our market, in our space, it's the same as in every space because these guys are, you know, they go to different, they're selling stuff to insurance guys, small business owners, chiro- all this type of thing. It's all the same. And, and, and these, these myths, they're actually evil, I think. They're poisonous because what happens is, as John said, when you're in the, any kind of business, not just real estate, and you're getting kicked ahead in the head a lot. So, if, you know, it, and it does happen a lot. And you don't feel passionate and you aren't excited and things aren't, you know, there's not pots of gold, you know, following every rainbow. Then you start to think that it's your fault. You start to think there's something wrong with you because no one ever told you. Exactly. And then people pop from one thing. Oh, I didn't. I hear that. You must hear that a lot, too. Right. I I didn't stick with it because I didn't feel passion for it. When you hear stuff like that, how does it make you feel? Well, it just makes me feel like they probably quit too soon. You know, um, Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's like if somebody came up to you and said, I tried real estate for six months, it wasn't for me. And you go, wow, six months is not a long time. You didn't even get a full season, like a full year. And so that, yeah, I I think that's the problem is that it creates the expectation that it's going to be amazing. And the second it's not, you go, well, it must be something else out there. And I don't, I'm not even a big believer in like finding one thing. Like we love the soulmate version of purpose. I think you're going to have a lot of different purposes in a lot of different ways. And that's great. You've got a long life ahead of you. Do a lot of things. Well, that's true. And it is also, it's, it's interesting. While I look at your background and you, you know, you've did a lot of things. It's, it's, it's cool being able to look back and see how much those things all seem to almost align. Like how at the time that thing, either a success or a, fail, a failure, how, it, how basically it, it now years later, you can see how all these things were part and parcel, almost like you were building the sort of the perfect little structure you know, and that that's what leads us to where we go. So some of you guys, you come to real estate, and we get these emails all the time, John, from folks. They're looking for, you know, other ways to make money. They're looking for ways to replace uh, lost uh, income. There's just lots – not a lot of people, you know, essentially aspire to be real estate agents. They find themselves being real estate agents. They say it's their fallback, fallback, fallback kind of thing. And, and they're – but they've never really learned the fact that, Long-term, ever-increasing success comes from doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. They've been told and led to believe that it's the exact opposite of that, 
that, you know, all these things and things will just magically appear and start happening for you. Guys, you have to be willing to drill down. You have to be doing – now, so here's the biggest, I think, perpetuator of this lie, and just feel free to argue with me. You mentioned the online marketing gurus and all that, and I definitely think that's, there's some truth to that. But there's so many easy button things out there in real estate right now that are being sold to agents. Do this one thing, and all these magic th- magical things will happen. You know, do that. And, and I've never seen in my lifetime. I'm, you know, I'm 40. Well, I'm 46. I've never seen uh, so many comp- so many easy button companies creep up. What's happening societally? Maybe that's too broad of a question. But what's happening in people's mindset that they have such? Uh, they're just so aggressively trying to avoid. Hard work, real work. Why is it, what's changed? Well, I think it's a number of things. One, I think it's there's more push button options to choose from. You know, um, mm-hmm. it's kind of like publishing. Publishing used to be hard. Now it grew. Self publishing grew 450 percent in the last three years. So does that mean we're writing better books? Not necessarily. It means there's more in the marketplace. So I think part of it is there's more options. But I think the other thing is that we've always universally hoped that we'd find a shortcut to something that mattered. You know, I mean, look at the diet industry. There's 168,000 diet books on Amazon. Like, is the next one going to be the one? You know, we, we, <laughs> we love a shortcut. We love the idea that, you know, I can do a, you know, it, you know what it kind of reminds me of? There's this movie, Something, uh, Something About Mary. And there's a guy in the movie that says he's going to come up with seven-minute abs because there's a product called eight-minute abs, and he figures you're at the store, you see seven-minute, you're going to buy that. I think that's what's happening. Um, we are getting shorter and shorter attention spans because of our kind of our digital consumption, and we want things faster. You know, we want to be entitled to it. And then they also, bear in mind, real estate, much like chefs, have become superstars in the last couple of years because of online shows or, or because of TLC or Bravo. So if I spend, you know, my, my nights watching this fun, amazing, sexy real estate agent you know, selling houses. Wow. I th- I like people. I could probably do that. And you don't have a real, like they never show you an, an you're a sadder moment than when you, I always call it the walk of the walk of cookie shame. When you have to walk back a whole tray of cookies back to your car. Cause not a single person came to your open. Like that's a terrible moment. And like that moment happens often. It does. It does. I mean, there should be a statistic. I should do this homework to find out how many times, you have some form of rejection for every one, uh, you know, positive, successful experience. You know, that, oh, that I really is. I guarantee it's in the dozens. Like, me too. I, I'm you know sure you're right. I bet you it's like 40, you know, 40, 40 either hard or soft nose for every one. Yes. I bet you it is something like well, that. And if you're, if you're not, yeah. I was just going to say the other thing that we, we don't ever talk about this. And I love real estate agents. I love realtors. Like, they're probably one of my favorite groups to talk to because they, the good ones are hustling. I don't have to convince mm-hmm. them. Um, the bad ones won't last long, so it doesn't, that doesn't really matter to me. But I think we have to remember that real estate agents are at the forefront of the most expensive, biggest purchase a person will ever make in their life. So that comes inherently with pressure and emotion and stress and, you know, this huge, huge expectation. And sometimes we forget that. Like, it's funny. We'll go, oh, man, wedding planners, they have such a hard job. They're planning a bride's day. And it's true. A wedding might cost $50,000, $75,000. But you're selling a half a million dollar house in a 30-year commitment. People don't like committing to the gym for a year. Like, so I think we have to remember the pressure that comes with real estate in the face of the, like, it's a great saying. You get to meet people. It'll be fun. 
Well, so we've, we've I think, painted a, a very realistic uh, view of what it's like to be not just a, a real estate agent, but really any business owner. And I know you have lots of you know, contacts that are small business owners and medium-sized business owners, and, and all these things are true. They're universally true, everything we've talked about so far. But, you know, the cool thing about real estate that's unique about real estate, and I love your take on this, uh, is there's no other business that you can get into with relative ease, low barriers to entry, real estate license, most anyone can get one. Uh, it doesn't really cost you anything to get into real estate, like a 1000 bucks maybe. And then you have access. You can list uh, folks' homes. You can get build inventory worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. And you don't have to pay anything for it. So you can actually have – if you wanted to open up, say, for example, a, a tea and pie shop or whatever, I mean, you're going to have all kinds of startup costs just to get the thing out of the ground. To, you know, all the expense in real estate, nothing like that. And you, have, you can make you know, 3%, 6%, 7% margins on this inventory that doesn't co- have you any you know, recurring carrying costs. There's no other industry I can think like that, that, that that's that pure, that has that much opportunity, that has that low barrier to entry. So if you guys are listening to this and you're hearing, you know, John and I kind of give you guys the truth about what it really is like owning a small business or what it's like actually scaling it, a lot of you guys are successful, but you're wanting to know what it's like to go to the next level, it's going to just take relentless, unbelievable, often unre- unrewarded work. But it's still, once you get there, it's worth it because uh, if provided you're willing to actually pull through and push through and you have to put blinders on, you have to de- develop myopia. Well, that, that's an interesting pivot. Let's talk about that. So with all these different sources of information out there, with all these different things that people can listen to, read, whatever, whatever, how is it that they, you know, and, and we're all taught that education is good, right? So how, how is it that someone's supposed to develop a sense for what is good versus bad or what they should take seriously versus not? We're talking about fake news. Maybe you and I should start a conversation about fake, you know, I don't know if you know what you want to call it, business advice. I mean, what, what do you think? Well, I think a bit, I mean, to me, a shortcut is, is relationships. Um, if I was say, say I'm in your audience right now and I want to, I want to do that low barrier to entry. I want to become a real estate agent. I would find the three to five best real estate agents in my city or geography. And I would ask, I would ask them if I could take them out to coffee or I would ask them what books I should read or what resources. I think people are a shortcut. Somebody's already done what you're going to do. Like, there's a guy in Atlanta. I want to say his name is Mark Spann, maybe, um, but gigantic realtor in Atlanta. He's got billboards everywhere, has been successful for 20 years. That guy knows a lot of the right things to do. So I think often it's not about – you've got to remember, you're not trying to reinvent the wheel. Um, if you're overwhelmed when you type real estate advice into Google, find a real person and ask them real questions. I th- I still think that's – you know, such a great way for you to get real information that's helpful. Because somebody who's 10 years ahead of you will say, hey, here's the 10 mistakes I made when I was your age. Or here's the five things I thought that mattered that really don't. You know, that that to me is such a great shortcut. You're right. And I think that's a really great point. In real estate, we have called that in the past shadowing. And that is good, a good opportunity if you can, you know, even if you have to pay somebody to shadow them for a day. It's definitely going to be worth it. Probably in your marketplace, they're not going to be that receptive. But if you're willing to go outside of your marketplace and shadow somebody, top producing agent, um, yeah, that's probably a great idea to get some inspiration and maybe have a long-term mentor. So let's talk about that. 
what are the five things that you see small business owners doing? Or it could be three. It's up to you. You know, this is a low-pressure show. So what are, the, what are the three to five things or one thing you see that smart business owners are doing nowadays that sort of evade a lot of other business owners or people in general in terms of thinking or actual technique or something more tactical? Um, number one, they're always learning. Um, I'm mm-hmm. always impressed by people who are established who don't stop learning. I, here's an example. So I have this course for business owners, you know, real estate folks, um, all different types of businesses and called the 90 days of business hustle. And I asked the people, what did you make last year? Cause I want to help them increase that. And I want to be judged on that real results, all that. And it was fascinating. People ranged from $0, meaning they just were getting started all the way up to $12 million a year. So here's somebody who, for, who has made $12 million in 2016 that is signing up for a course to get better. So I think the first thing I'd say is great businesses never stop getting better. The second thing I'd say is that they have humility in what they do and how they do it. Um, I used to work with a billionaire. I would help him shape ideas. Um, he was the CEO of uh, Chick-fil-A. And I remember he led with humility. The first thing he would do when he um, went to a Chick-fil-A, when we visited one, is clean out the trash. And I I just remember over and over and over him leading with humility. And he was a billionaire. You and I both know some thousandaires that are jerks, you know, that are already kind of swollen. Um, The third thing is they invest time and money where it should go. They're conscious of both. You know, sometimes realtors hear the idea, oh, social media is amazing. Social media is amazing. It's free. It's free. It's free. It's not free. It's really expensive. It costs your most valuable resource, which is time. So I think that great business owners are cognizant about where they invest their money and where they invest their time. The fourth thing is they grow large enough to get help and they're wise enough to know they need it. They don't try to do it all on their own. Um, And they're creative with the help. You know, they get us, you know, a 20-hour-a-week assistant for $15 an hour. Um, a realtor, even a realtor who's not massive could benefit so much from having an assistant. Um, so they, they get help when they, when they need help. I'd say that, that would be the fourth thing. Um, and then the fifth thing would be that they, they are able to read what a customer really needs. A great business owner, especially a great real estate agent, is almost like a mind reader. Um, they're able to understand the real needs of a customer, which saves time and energy and effort. And they do this in large Questions make you look brilliant. When you ask the right questions, you know, it's, it's always interesting. When I go to a speaking event, for instance, I'll interview the people before I go speak there. And then I'll say some of the stuff we talked about. And they'll go, wow, it's like you're reading our diary. You know, have you ever worked at this profession? I'll go, no, but you gave me lots of great information. It's the same with real estate agents. When you actually do the upfront of listening, like really listening to what people want in a, uh, you deliver that, it's like you've read their mind, but you haven't, you just listen. So you, the second point you said, I think maybe summarizes the other points. And I think it's probably something would be worth having our listeners listen. Or we, you and I drill down on it a little bit. You said that when someone reaches a certain level of success, I'm not using your exact words, but you know, I think summarizing, when someone reaches a certain level of success, and sometimes it's much lower than what they're capable of, hell, every time it's much lower than they're capable of, they stop learning. Why do people stop learning? Why do people choose to go climb so high the mountain and then just decide to just pitch their tent and say that's good enough? And does that even work? Can they even stay there if they just choose to stop learning? You, you understand the question? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. No, I mean, I think part of it is we sometimes think that learning um, learning makes us look foolish. Um, it mm. makes us go, you know, oh, I, you know, like we, you know what story we love? We love the story of the natural, the guy who like, it just comes so easily to them. We hate the story of, you're talking about yeah, ego. He had to, That's what you're talking about. Yeah. He had, yeah, he had to work forever on that. It was really, really hard. It was really, really hard. We don't like that story. What we love instead are, Hey, you know, I don't, I always know the right answer. It's kind of, in a microscopic way, why do men hate asking for directions? Because I want to look like I know where I'm going. Like, but you're, but you're lost. And so I'd say the same thing. Like, you get to a certain level where you're going to feel, you know, it's the same reason. I, I know a lot of executives who have a hard time saying these three words. I don't know. Like, they have to have an answer to every question versus just going, I don't know. Let me get back to you when I figure that out. And so I just think it's an ego thing. We don't want to look foolish. Right. We don't want to, well, the ego, it's that, right, on the outside. We don't want to look at how we appear. But really, the, the other thing is, is your ego doesn't want to have to open itself up to conflicting thoughts. And that's just what I run up against all the time with, you know, in our coaching business for agents is that they'll have certain things that they've done forever um, and it doesn't work anymore. And they're refusing to allow their minds to open up to the idea that, hell, I need to pivot. You know, one of the things we say here, John, is when the going gets tough, the smart leave. And that's something, um, you know, that I heard a long time ago from a guy who was a billionaire. And he heard it from some other guy who was a billionaire. And, I, and that, didn't, that didn't resonate with me for years. And I finally figured out what he meant. When what you're doing isn't working, stop trying to do it. Stop trying to make it work. Go find something else that does. And in real estate, we will take on clients. Business owners, everybody's like this. I mean, I keep, we, we use real estate as an example because that's obviously the, the audience. But you get stuck in a groove, listeners, and you got this time of year is perfect for this type of thinking because you can then start saying, well, okay, I'm buying leads from Zillow, right? And maybe 10 years ago that worked, and it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And now the numbers just don't work. And you're not, you're not allowing yourself to accept the fact that it doesn't not work anymore because of you. It doesn't work anymore because it doesn't work at the same level it did. Or the, it's oversaturated or there's something external that you can't control that's causing that thing. It happens in direct mail. It happens, sometimes you guys will you'll start prospecting. You'll pick up the phone. You say, I'm going to become the best expired hunter ever. You start calling. But you're using the same script that the 10 other agents that are also calling you're using. And you're frustrated because <laughs> the seller's mad at you because they're hearing the same damn things uh, 100 times, you know. And you're blaming yourself. Guys, when the going gets tough, the smart leaves. So if what you're doing doesn't work, you need to accept it, put numbers to it, and then decide to make a pivot. And when you do that, you'll sort of reconnect with yourself. You will feel scared because that means, as John just said, you're going to have to accept the fact that, okay, I don't know as much as I thought I did. But the other side of that is exciting because then you can start growing again. And if you don't, John, that was the second part of my question. I'm curious on your take on it. Can someone stay in a mode of complacency? Can that is that actually even is that even possible that someone can just say I, I'm I've got it all figured out does that even work? I guess I'd say ask Kodak, ask Blockbuster, ask taxi drivers. <laughs> right? Like I think history, every business in the world, certainly not just you know real estate, every business in the world is littered with examples of what happens when you don't evolve. Um, when yep. You know, when I worked at Bose, we loved sound quality because we were a, a stereo company and we had amazing headphones and consumers started to tell us, hey, you know what? We would love different colors. We like designs and how things look. Can you change that? And we did not and we didn't listen. And Dr. Dre and Beats listened and we lost and 
you know, multi-billion dollar industry to a startup, essentially. So, yeah, I don't think you can. No way. How long did that pivot take I didn't, with the example you just gave from Bose being like owning the space and Bose is everywhere to Dr. Dre basically owning the space and Dr. Dre, you know, Beats headphones being everywhere? What was that time frame? How quick did it happen? I would say it took three to five years. I mean, is that amazing? Pivot was fast. If a pivot was fast, you might be able to predict it and get out, get go, oh, we got to change. But it was three to five years because, you know, they launched the brand. The brand initially was an edge brand. It was like hip hop market only. And then like it took a while to get into like suburbia, if you will. But by mm-hmm. the time Bose recognized it, it was, it was too late. So how do you – that's really – I'm sure you could write a whole book on that. That's actually really fascinating. That sounds like something Seth Godin would you know, do a broadcast around. Uh, so oh, yeah, what yeah. Would he's, you, he's what would you say would be some of the biggest indicators that some of our listeners are essentially waiting too long to acknowledge that the pivots are already starting in their marketplace? In other words, that things have changed. But what are, let me reframe it. What are the things that folks in business are doing right now that don't work anymore or they maybe should be second-guessing spending their time on? Well, I mean, I think I would say – I won't say something specific. I would say things where the result – you're having to make excuses for the results. Like if, when the mm. results try to tell you something, it's your job to listen. So as a realtor, if you're having to justify, well, yeah, they're not what they used to be, but they're going to get back on track. If you've got – and I'm not saying the first time something happens. I think you can over-knee-jerk react. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you've got consistent results that are trying to tell you, hey, this isn't working anymore, it's never going to work again, and here's why, it's your job to listen to that. Um, so I think to me that's one of, the, one of the biggest indicators. And then you just start, you know, there's also the whole kind of messiness of the finger, having your finger on the pulse. If you're having customers and clients, you know, tell you something, you know, about how they found you or what they're interested in or what they're excited about. It's your job, you know, you have to stay on top of trends. Real estate is a trend-guided industry. And if you're, if you're not part of that, then you're going to get left behind. And the third way, here's a really interesting way. I always tell people, be in a relationship with somebody 10 years ahead of you and 10 years behind. If I was a 33-year-old you, uh, real estate agent, you better believe I'd know a 23-year-old real estate agent. Because the person that's 10 years behind me in a different generation is going to see things that I'm missing. And I want to be able to know those. I don't want to have to guess at those. So, again, relationships matter. Yeah, man, that's an awesome point. I really love that, too. Um, should people, should say folks that are baby boomers, maybe the older part of Generation X, people that aren't necessarily haven't grown up with their fingers on the keyboard, you know, as far as, far as like, you know, Facebook and the rest of it, what should their what should their positioning be with the social networking? Like, how is the social? A lot of people believe, as I'm sure you know, that social network, you know, Facebook and whatever else, that is the internet, right? And everything's going to be moving that direction. And AI bots are going to be having conversations with our customers, and we're all going to be having some form of a VR experience. I mean, all these things you read about, you know, what is your? How does the social networking stuff fit into your view of a successful business owner? Should that be the leading edge, or should that be in a supporting role? Well, I, I would say, like I always say with business and social media, go where your customers are. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when I, I went and spoke to a group of uh, autom- automotive recycling um, company owners, or like some people would say junk owners, and I did not tell them they needed to be on Snapchat with their business because they don't. 
Um, they, that's not where their customers are. So to real estate agents, I might say, hey, you need to be on these four sites and here's what you need to be doing with them. And if I was just now, you know, if I was just now getting into it or if I want, if, if it was time for me to do a, like a kind of a, you know, reconfigure things, I would be really deliberate about Facebook. Facebook is still to me the strongest, best, most useful, most powerful social media engine. And it's often not cool. Like I have friends that'll say, oh, Snapchat's way cooler. Like Facebook is what my aunt uses. Oh, I hate Facebook. That's fine. Congratulations to your aunt. But when I, when I post something on, say, Twitter, I'll post something on Twitter and I'll feel good about it and I'll go, oh, wow, I got, you know, 3,000 3, likes. That's cool, you know. And then I'll look on Instagram and I'll go, wow, 3,000 people, uh, you know, we're excited about that. That's pretty neat. And then I'll go on Facebook and it will, it will have reached 2 million people. So the reach is just so much better. So I always tell people, go where your customers are, um, but don't, don't get confused by the sexiness of new social media sites. Um, go, you know, go where the numbers are. Like, again, I, I had, it was uh, liked 18,000 times and had a reach of 2.8 million, and they'll tell you who. Like, that's the great thing about Facebook. Like, Facebook will go, oh, and by the way, it's women of this age, and here's where they live. Like, so for me, it's Facebook. Well, I mean, it's, there's reason to believe that Facebook, for the most part, for a lot of people, like a whole heck of a lot, have, that's, that is their Internet experience. So much so, I don't know if you heard this statistic. Actually, I heard this yesterday from Godin, is that um, the number one source of news for folks uh, during you know, just basically the last year has, for, is, is Facebook. People go to Facebook now for news. Now, they're an aggregator, obviously, but that's where people are going for their news is Facebook. They log on to Facebook. They're doing the searching on Facebook. Facebook is – I mean, that's it. I agree with what you're saying. Yep. The, thing that's, the thing that's interesting about real estate, John, is that a lot of agents think that somehow uh, they don't have to learn real sales skills. They don't have to learn how to present. They don't have to learn all the, you know, what a, what a lot of people would consider to be the, the sort of the core functions of a real estate person, of a salesperson. So they bypass learning those things. They think that somehow we live in this digital Facebook age, so they don't have to know those things. They spend all their time on Facebook, never learn the sales skills. They might generate a lead off Facebook, but they don't know how to actually sell them. And that's, those are the types of things that we run into all the time. And, guys, there's a lot of interesting statistics. NAR actually had a really cool video. Um, I think I posted it on our private Facebook group, ironically enough, that talked about how long it takes the average Internet lead to actually transact. In the shortest period of time from initial contact with agent was nine months, but most of them it's two years. So if you guys are looking what? for transactions, yeah, I know, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, translated, Internet leads suck. I mean, that's basically the bottom line. But, yeah, you can go wow. onto Facebook, and you can be fostering these relationships with folks that you know and all the rest of it. But, guys, please do not think that that's going to be the thing. You're going to have to learn real sales skills. You're going to have to learn actually how to walk up to a customer and how what to say, what questions to ask, you know, essentially how to be a professional, just like any other professional has to learn, doctor, anybody. They all have to learn how to interact with customers. You can't hide behind your keyboard. So, John, as we round the bend on today's show, anything, any closing thoughts you'd like? Oh, you know, I did have one last question, if you don't mind going a little bit long. Yeah, sure. This is kind of a fun question. Yeah, go for it. All right, so I get this question sometimes when I'm being interviewed, and it always surprises uh, the person asking me this question the way I answer it. I'm not going to tell you how I answer it. 
But here's the question I have for you, because I bet you you're going to answer the same way I do. If not, I'll tell you you didn't, and that's okay. Um, can everyone be a successful business owner? Can everyone be a should everyone listening today quit their jobs, start their own business? Should, is is everyone cut out to be a successful business owner? Oh, this is an unpopular answer because we want to believe we can be anything. Um, I don't. I don't know. I tell people all the time they shouldn't be an entrepreneur. Like I tell people that all the time, just because it's so glamorized in our culture um, that I believe you can be the best version of you. But the so the flip side of that is I don't like when entrepreneurs make people feel guilty for being at a corporate job. Like, I think you can do some great stuff inside a big company. Um, I think, I don't think you should feel guilt if you don't want to do that. I do. I don't know. It's, it's, I'll, I'll answer the question this way. People come up to me and will say, should, should everybody write a book? And I always say, no. And they go, what? I, I want to, everybody should. And I go, no, I shouldn't record an album. Like why, you know, I shouldn't be a dentist. Like I don't, shouldn't be a doctor. Like there's a million things I shouldn't do. So no, if somebody said to me, hey, can everybody be an amazing real estate agent? I would say, I think everybody could be a competent real estate agent. I don't think for a second, everybody can be an amazing one because there's, there's things involved that the average person doesn't want to do, which is why they're the average person. So yeah, I don't. I never want to be negative, but at the same time, was well, that really negative somebody, though? Dude, did you just say anything negative? I didn't hear it as negative. I mean, in our popular yeah, PC, in, you know, do what you're yeah. passionate about world. Yeah, what you said was negative, but what you just said was the truth, and that is how I answered the question, by the way, because I agree with you. Yeah. Because not everyone. And, and here's here's the version we get. I am. I have a full time job. You know, I make this much money per year. I, I bet you I get this question. I'm not exaggerating. Once a day, in an email from one of our listeners. Uh, or my wife. This is I got this one today, this morning. I haven't responded yet because I've been on calls. But I, you know, my, my wife wants to quit her job. She's making seventy-five thousand a year. We live someplace in the Midwest where we can live comfortably on her salary. She has, you know, health care and all this rest of it. But she doesn't, you know, she just whatever, whatever wants to join me in the real estate team. And they they were framing the question so that they thought for sure I was going to say yes. And I emailed. I'm going to email back. I might even call them. And I'm going to say. Absolutely not. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Your wife should keep her job. You know, she's providing financial security. She's getting help. What are you thinking? And, and maybe you know, they don't industry... need to work together. Like, yeah, maybe there you they go, don't right? Need to work together. They, they could suck at that too. Like, I, you know, yeah. it can be done. Don't use business. Husbands and wives. Yeah. Don't use business. I've no. worked with my wife for 25 years. Well, don't use business yeah, as your creative outlet, guys. Don't no, use business no. as your creative outlet. You, you know, business is supposed to subsidize the things that you can have passion for. But if you're thinking about – if you got into real estate or any other business and you're thinking about, well, I got into this because I this is going to be the thing that's going to finally allow myself to blossom and be my true version of myself, uh, no, it won't. It's going to suck. You guys have to have antivirus software running in your head 24 hours a day. It's not like you think. And you know what? Not everyone can be successful because they're not willing to put in the effort. And in some cases, they shouldn't bother because there are other alternatives that they can do to make, li- uh, make a living are better than they could create by starting their own business. That's the truth. Why doesn't anyone say that, yeah, John? Well, Why? Yeah, 100%. And you know, I just had a friend who started his own company and two years later took a job with a big company and closed his shop. And I didn't feel like he had failed. I thought, great, he did a two-year you know, kind of recon mission and realize, oh, this is hard and not fun and I don't feel cut out to it and it's not what I want to do. I mean, here's, here's a great example. 
so yesterday we got new windows and we got new windows put in by, and we live in Nashville by a guy who used to be a really successful singer songwriter. Really? Like <laughs> I was talking on the phone to a buddy and I said, Hey, you know, who's doing my windows? So-and-so. And he said, what? I've seen him in concert 20 times. I mean, he made lots and lots of money, lots and lots of money, was very successful, but realized I don't like being on the road. You know, I got two kids and they're, they don't even know their dad. So I'm going to change. And, and again, like I, like I would say to the same people you're talking to, you don't have to be a real estate agent. Like you could be awesome, but you don't have to be, and you don't have to be a business owner. So I think we all, mm-hmm. we all need the freedom and the courage to, to do what we need to do. Well, and if you're going to jump, if you're going to do it, if your alternatives uh, aren't that good and you want to, if you're willing to put in the work, you have to be, you have to be a little bit nuts, honestly. You're going to have to be willing. The whole doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level, that's something, John, we've been saying forever, and it's not something that resonates with most people. They have to hear us say it a billion times, and then they have to actually have the day where they wake up where just basically everything sucks, and, they, and then they are still able to be successful until they actually know what that means. That's what it takes, that mindset. Not anything short of that. You guys might be able to – well, hell, in real estate, you can stay in real estate forever because no one's going to fire you, but you're never going to do that well, and you would have been better off working for somebody if your goal is to take care of your family and you know, make money and have some sort of resemblance of a, a, a good life. I mean, that's the reality. So, look, <laughs> John, it's funny. I was thinking as you and I were talking today because your blog post got me going on this about actually being really – you know, I, we say on this radio show we're going to tell people the truth until it hurts. That's what today's show was, and I appreciate you having the guts to you know, go down this path with me because you know as well as I do, brother, this stuff, it gets you sometimes some nasty responses. And along those lines, guys, any nasty emails, send them to John. And, John, what's your email? Yeah, yeah. That's funny. No, it's true. I mean, we, but, but see, here's the thing. If you care about your audience, you tell them the truth because the, you know, the worst thing that could happen is if you and I blew smoke up and just said, anybody can do it. You can do it overnight. Quit right now, wherever you are, follow your dreams, step out in faith, go for it. And then you have a real mom. Yeah. You have a real mom and a real dad who might put their family in jeopardy. And I mean, that's, right. that's the other thing is that like the first chapter of my book, Quitter, people were mad at because the first chapter was don't quit your day job. So even if you're going to, if you were, here's the last thing I'll say. If you told me we had coffee and said, I'm going to go into real estate, I'd go, well, have you been, you know, have you gotten your license yet? Have you been studying real estate companies in our, in our town? Have you been doing it on your lunch break and on your weekends? Have you been, and if your answer was no, I'd know you weren't going to be a good agent because you weren't even investing in it. If you tell me I haven't done any of that, but I will as soon as I quit my full-time job, I'd say no, you won't. You you know, there's smart ways to do it, and there's dumb ways too. Well, yeah, and so listen, guys. Here's the big takeaway. I mean, just be honest with yourself. And I I, I like what John said. And we are willing. And you, and a lot of our listeners, you know, they know. And this is the feedback that they give us. So we they appreciate the fact that we're telling them the truth. We're telling them what they're already feeling that nobody else is saying, and so they're afraid to actually admit that these are the struggles that they're having because of the fact that everywhere else they turn it's all you know you know cupcakes and smiley faces on facebook and everyone telling you about how the easy button's going to basically solve all your problems guys that's not the truth it is just a lie that's just the bottom line now is it a hundred percent lie Probably not, but it's, 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 it's lie-ish enough that you should just focus on the fact that if you really want to be successful long-term, you can be successful working for somebody, being a corporate entrepreneur is what John was referring to, or you can, you, know, you can start your own business. But before you do, have a path to follow. 
Do not be one of these people that are getting into business thinking, oh, it's going to be where I express my creativity. I'm going to have so much fun. I'm going to work with buyers. I'm going to drive around. You know, the people on Bravo, by the way, are also superstars of ours, so we've had all of them on our, our radio show. And, you know, it, it's hilarious because when I talk to them off radio versus on radio – I mean, they're, li- they're living the doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. They're living that life. That's the truth behind the, the fancy veneer, guys, of anybody who's ever going to be successful at anything. You don't see the struggle. You don't see the anguish. You don't- but look, if, you're, if you have – I want you guys to move forward knowing the truth so that when you experience the hardship and the headwinds, you know it's normal. When you have something, somebody that kicks you in the head, hopefully not, you know, for real, but you know it's normal, and then you can push through it if that's the path you choose to follow. And when you do choose to follow that path, connect with someone like John. Consider connecting with us as becoming a coaching client. Follow a proven path. Don't waste time trying to patchwork quilt your own path together. That's just, it's just insanity. You know, you mentioned the Chick-fil-A guy, the CEO of Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A has probably the most rock star franchise deal that there ever has been. But the thing that they do is they don't allow the owners of their franchises to deviate. They treat their franchisees as employees. And that's the reason that you never see a Chick-fil-A going out of business, you know, and they, and they have a waiting well, list. You always of get the people. same experience. Right. You, and you it's always experience. Yep. Cool. Hey, listen, man, we ran over. I really appreciate it. Hopefully our listeners, uh, this resonated with them. Guys, give us some feedback. Tim at timandjulieharris.com. So, John, if they want to connect with you, how can they do it? Um, you go to acuff.me, A-C-U-F-F.me, or uh, 90daysofbusinesshustle.com. Nine zero is the number. Cool. Hey, guys, listen. Hopefully this was beneficial to you. Hopefully you learned something. I challenge all of you to uh, even if you're skeptics, even if you are hearing things that didn't resonate with you, even if you felt if you felt any kind of emotional or mental roadblock to the blunt, truthful conversation John and I just have, you need to ask yourself why, because chances are that's the very thing that's holding you back. The belief that what you're trying that what you did before will work going forward, I promise you it won't. It won't work in the exact format. You're gonna have to change it, evolve it or ditch it. So guys, have an open mind. Use this time of year to kind of do a hard reset of what your expectations are for your business and for your life, and then take some action on it. If there's anything we can do for you, Tim at timandjulieharris.com. Hey, John, I really had a lot of fun. Uh, Hopefully you'll consider being a guest again. Everyone else, Merry Christmas, and we'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. Thanks, John. Thanks. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.